So welcome to the sixth episode of the Life Around the World podcast. Um, I'm so happy to have you here. Um, I hope you enjoyed the last few episodes. Today we have a new guest, of course. Uh, it's going to be an interesting conversation because we're going to talk about Sudan mainly, but not only. So welcome, Tahir. Hi, hi. How are you, Katrina? <laughs> nice fine. to meet you again. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Thank you for coming. Have you been living in Italy for a while? Yes. Nice. Uh, this September 27th, it will be five years. But you're from Sudan. Yes, I am. Yes, I am. But I, am uh, yeah. I, I was born in Yemen, actually. Okay. My parents were teachers working there in Yemen. I think there was um, a UNICEF program for teachers to be um, asked to work in Yemen from different countries from around the world. Uh, Yemen after post-war, um, they asked some teachers to come from Egypt, uh, Sudan, other countries as well, Syria as well. Uh, okay. to work in Yemen for a certain amount of times, um, time and then my parents worked there for a few years before going back to Sudan. Uh, specifically, they spent 13 years working in Egypt, in, in Yemen. Okay. So how old were Sudan. you when you moved back? I went back when I was 9, 10, something like that, between 9 and 10. How was moving from Yemen to Sudan? Well, uh, that's a that age, it's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's always a tricky question for me because that has been my uh, rhythm in life for a very long time. I was mm -hmm. always the different kid. Okay. Uh, when I was in Yemen, I was the the only Sudanese, Sudanese. Uh, brown kid in school. Mm -hmm. When I went back to Sudan, I was the the one who has a different accent from the others. Okay. Uh, and then when I went, because I went back to my hometown, it's called the Fasher. Mm -hmm. uh, I went back there and uh, I studied uh, my high school there. So it's yeah. kind of a little bit different as well. And then when I went back to Khartoum to study my university, I was also the different kid coming from different... From another uh, yes. area of the country. It's slightly better, of course, because yeah. uh, like it's Still. just another city. But yes, and then I continued doing that, coming to Italy of and course. then around the world. Also Saudi Arabia at some point. And stuff you like lived that. in Saudi Arabia? I did live in Saudi Arabia yeah. as well, yes. Uh, one year after my parents went back to Sudan, okay. they, uh, they, went back to, uh, they went to Saudi Arabia. Okay. And we spent... Uh, four years there, uh, okay. so I studied middle school in Saudi Arabia, yeah. wow. in the <laughs> southern part of Saudi Arabia. I've traveled yes. a lot. <laughs> yes, <laughs> <laughs> so always, yeah. uh, you mentioned different accents. So now, when you speak Arabic, what is your accent? Sudanese? It, yes, it is. Now you like, it yes, up. it's Sudanese. But I would okay. say it's uh, it's a bit um, clearer mm -hmm. uh, for people who are coming from different. Uh, countries uh, because uh, but that's what's a bit difficult about learning Arabic there's many different oh yes it's not even just accent yes definitely their world is so big we have yeah. um, there is 22 different countries Arab mm -hmm. countries with different accents um, yes but yeah. it's kind of a little bit grouped as well because for okay. example the Arabic Gulf they speak kind of similar mm -hmm. accents the mm -hmm. Sham area which is like Syria Lebanon Jordan Palestine and things like that they speak also kind of a little uh, grouped accent uh, okay. similar to each other um, Egypt and Sudan maybe they're a little bit similar although Sudan yeah. is, is a little bit different than Egyptian and then the North Africa they speak another group just like for example Moroccan Moroccan mm -hmm. they speak uh, like an Arabic accent that is kind of a little bit hard for me to understand i guess uh, maybe it got mixed with french or uh, yes or maybe and berber as well some ah, yeah, different exactly. languages okay. as well sudan has a long history of having different ethnic groups 
different tribes and different cultures as well. Yeah. Uh, before 2011, which is, uh, the country separated into two different countries, Sudan and South Sudan, it was the majority Muslims. Mm -hmm. They were, I don't know what the exact percentage of that, but maybe more than 60%, 70% Muslims. And mm -hmm. then the rest is uh, the majority in South Sudan was uh, either some people are Christian groups yeah. and then some people are uh, spiritual, other spiritual groups as well. Mm -hmm. uh, but the country has separated for a long history of politics and stuff. Uh, yeah. and, uh, maybe you'd not get to that uh, right okay. now, but mm -hmm. uh, they separated and then the majority of, uh, of no. the country became Muslims. I'm also not sure about the exact percentage, yeah. it's, but it's between two, 92 to 95, 96% okay. Muslims. Um, but uh, the the celebration of the of the festives are kind of different because it's it's the Sudan is a very big country it's mm -hmm. huge the east is completely different than the west and the north is completely different than the south mm -hmm. so you would see uh, celebrations for example for the prophet Muhammad mm -hmm. uh, at some uh, because uh, there is also the different calendar for the Islamic calendar yeah, and yeah, then yeah. there would be uh, is the, the western Christian the west. world yeah. calendar <laughs> <laughs> <Yes>. exactly <laughs> uh, so yes some people based on the islamic calendar they celebrate the the prophet's uh, birthday as well mm -hmm. uh, some groups do not celebrate the they consider that that mm -hmm. the, the prophet did not celebrate his birthday during yeah. his life so they don't but the thing that uh, that unifies everyone is mm -hmm. the celebrations of the two big uh, eid uh, yeah. like uh, you know the eid al-fitr mm -hmm. and al-adha mm -hmm. which is also following the islamic calendar um uh, so yes uh, that's unifying everyone it's uh, it's super nice yeah. kids get new clothes mm -hmm. people gather and eat together you visit family you visit friend uh, maybe you go also to i don't know uh, theme parks or something like that with the family it's a it's a super nice uh, good that's tradition very as cool well, yes. <laughs> when is that well it changes every year right? it changes every actually, year yeah. yes yeah actually we went we came to celebrate iftar at your house yes <laughs> yes yes it was a lovely lovely yeah yes. so iftar is the break of the fast during yes, ramadan exactly 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 yeah, exactly there was so, some very good food uh, <laughs> yes which almost yeah. poisoned <laughs> <laughs> he didn't tell me specifically that he was allergic yes, to nuts, I but know. Yes. <laughs> but so what uh, Tell me a bit about the Su Sudanese food, although I'm, I'm sure it's diverse because it it's is, a big it country. Is, yes, but yes. Mm, what do you what do you usually eat? Maybe in your part of the country. Um, yeah, I'm coming from the western part of the country, the region Darfur. Maybe it's uh, well yeah. famous. Maybe I don't yeah. know. I hope it's famous in a good way, which I don't think so. But, uh, it's, it is. <laughs> <laughs> but I would say the 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 region is not like it's it's not that poor and it's mm -hmm. itself i mean it can provide food for its yeah. citizens but uh, the political instability is the displacement of people yeah. the major uh civil wars and things like that made it a little bit difficult for for the region but we do have um plates that are typical plates that we we, we eat mm -hmm. so one of the biggest ones is called dasida i don't know uh, if you know that it's a, it's kind of a 
type of polenta. I don't okay. know how I describe this. In, yeah, in English. well, <laughs> no, we've had this issue because uh, in Swaziland it's called pap, and ah, yes. in Angola it's called fungi. Like they have it fufu in Nigeria. I think it's different, but I think I know what you mean. Okay. It's made of yes. uh, may, maize, corn flour, right? It it's not necessarily corn okay. flour, but it is flour in Sudan. Yeah. We we use corn or wheat mm. it depends it depends on, on the type okay. of uh, polenta that you would like to eat okay yeah. uh, so this is the base which we mm -hmm. eat as a like the main source of carbohydrates and uh, we, we eat that with different sauces that we call them mulah for us and then you uh, this changes a lot uh, the mulahs because i think this is the main favorite it's like pasta with everyone yeah, everything yeah, yeah. else in in, yes. in italy and uh, so we you eat either tagalia for example sharmut or uh, things like that this word is kind of a little bit <laughs> tagalia <laughs> is uh, it's um, dried meat okay uh, so they they we, they uh, cut the meat in a very st in stripes way okay. and they let it to dry and then they uh, smash it to to become a little bit flourish mm -hmm. and then they add uh, sauce to it so they add uh, uh, okra uh, I don't know if you yeah. know the okra uh, yeah. dried okra as well and then they add uh, the sauces the, the, the spices to it to mm -hmm. it becomes okay. a little bit thicky yeah. uh, sauce and then they surround the polenta with it yeah. it's uh no let's not call it nice. polenta how do you call it, <laughs> Asida. Call it Asida. Asida. Yes. <laughs> i told you you have a very good pronunciation <laughs> if i ever quit <laughs> okay sounds very tasty it is it is and then it changes of course if you have different uh, different uh, types of uh, mulah which is the uh, the uh, the sauce and this is mm -hmm. uh, just one plate we have other plates we have another uh, type of the uh, carbohydrate source okay. that we call kisra which is closer to the injera oh, in the, the, thing, in, the yeah. ethiopian one but it's yeah. um, it's lighter it's not that thick okay. uh, and then we eat that with the, the same sauces of the acid as well and then we, we also cook the okra in in different ways with sauce with tomato sauce and things like that so okay. it becomes also a sort of source of, of the other things and that's uh, the se uh, second plate we like to we like to eat meat a mm -hmm. lot yeah <laughs> <laughs> my husband likes to say that africans are <laughs> like exactly, to eat meat exactly exactly i remember so. my father used to tell me that uh, my my grandfather was a judge Okay. And uh, he was he used to work for the for the court in, mm -hmm. in my hometown and uh, he told me that uh, my my uncle my younger uncle used to go to the to the comuna which is the the, the municipality the hall, to yeah. go he, to take his salary and go to the to the to the meat uh, the shop the bar, uh, the uh, the shop and then yeah. he give them he g usually gives them like one third of the salary oh, because wow. it just goes to me <laughs> <laughs> all of it <laughs> and the rest they take it home but usually they they they, they don't even buy meat with kilos they mm -hmm. they eat it buy it with like one thigh of a, yeah. a, a thing or one hand or something like that <laughs> <laughs> shoulder cool. something like big things yeah uh, and then the meat is cooked in different ways. You, mm -hmm. you can boil it to make some sauce. You either um, fry it or uh, make some uh, barbecue and things like that. It's also okay. kind of dishes, uh, like uh, a main dish that would be in the middle of the um, the food with the acid and things. And then there, of course, we eat uh, the green salad a lot. So 
Okay. Yes. So, yeah, in other parts of Africa that I've been to, um, of course, it it's up to the women mostly to cook, and it becomes like a social yes, kind of thing. Yes, like yes. the women get together and cook and chat and everything. But for example, in Swaziland, barbecues are done mostly by men. I think. Um, well, in Sudan, like in Sudan, it depends. If you're doing uh, a smaller um, uh, gathering for the family and things like that, usually women do it. In the big gatherings, on the other hand, men also participate in part of the thing. So the gatherings, they usually bring livestock. They they bring yeah. live animals and then yeah. they get slaughtered in the house yes. or like uh, near the house and things like that. Mm-hmm. So men are usually the ones who would be doing that job and also cutting the meat in smaller parts and stuff like that sometimes even mm-hmm. they, they do the the frying part and uh, yeah. the, the barbecue part okay. but it, it is a socializing space so if you have um, a ceremony a wedding or things like that all the women of the Community. the group yes the, yeah. the groom's family and mm-hmm. the bride's family okay. they gather maybe in separate separate mm-hmm. uh, setups and uh, also the neighbors come and then it becomes a huge uh, it's a huge tradition of making food and things like that and uh, i have four th- sisters three of them got married yeah. and i've seen this in our house like three times <laughs> and it, it always it surprises me of the like, <laughs> amount of food that stays even after we finish the wedding for like days and days and then yeah, you keep amazing. eating and things like that yeah usually there is a large amount of just uh, guests uh, coming and <laughs> big weddings, it's uh, yes yeah. it's always big weddings uh, 500 people 1000 people or some setups it's uh, yes. it's it depends how well known your family is. The okay. more well known it is, the more pe- more people you come. The more good hearted you, mm-hmm. good person you are, people come to you. So people and families usually celebrate the amount of people that they show up mm-hmm. in weddings and also in funerals. Uh, mm-hmm. If someone passed away, that this person, as a as a gesture, that this person is a good person or this family yeah. is doing well and yeah. things like that. Um, it's also a celebration of wealth and, and stuff mm-hmm. like that. So yeah, it's a, it's a good thing. But we do have um, uh, a funny gesture where the, during the genetic party, the, the groom takes and the bride also, they take a glass of uh, milk. Okay. They take a sip and then they spray it in each other's face. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, that's funny. <laughs> it, it, it is funny. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, because uh, like it's a gesture of like uh, milk is uh, seen as uh, something that is uh, good. Uh, good. Yes. Okay. So that you would be spraying the goodness uh, towards and then yeah. w- uh, like a gesture of may the the uh, wealth come to us, kids and yeah. uh, good, yeah, uh, good uh, life, okay. future life. Yeah. Um, and is the polygamy legally allowed in Sudan? Yes, it is. Okay. Yes, it okay. is. Yes. Um, okay. Well, um, only for men, of course. Uh, yeah, yeah. For, for women, it's not uh, yeah. because it's uh, still an Islamic country. So yeah. you would see some people who are having multiple wives, two, mm-hmm. three, four wives. Uh, um, I guess the richer people, or, is it, or does it? Well, it depends. It depends. Um, of course, if you if you can't maintain two wives, mm-hmm. uh, maybe they have their own uh, children as well. Yeah. Every wife would have their own children. It would be harder for you to maintain the family. Yeah. But uh, in Sudan, uh, maintaining a family is not only coming from wealth. Like people, you would see a 
poor person or mm-hmm. someone would have less wealth mm-hmm. would uh, would be having more than one wife maybe two okay. wives and stuff like that uh, and it depends it depends okay. uh, some things coming from himself coming mm-hmm. that he he needs he he's not very well comfortable about his wife his first house and he doesn't want to get divorced so he marries another person yeah. or simply celebration of wealth and stuff like that and sometimes it's also for s- communal mm-hmm. uh, reasons uh, there is someone who's uh, a widow a mm-hmm. widow for example and he yeah. would like to maintain the kids of that family that yeah. they get married and things like that and okay. also yes uh, all the hierarchy of the of the tribe as well so maybe the the chi- the chief of the tribe the president mm-hmm. of the tribe i don't know how to translate that to english but would have more more kids uh, that they would support him to in his uh, yeah. uh, political duties and things like yeah. that and people in the uh, countryside and things like that would b- would be celebrating the the amount of kids that they have because they mm-hmm. do help when the farms and things like mm-hmm. that with them yeah. so uh, it's always good to have more children uh, in the in the culture than less yes. children, of course. yeah yeah okay i can see it's I guess it's similar in the countries where I've been. I mean, we mentioned it earlier. Sudan used to be a bigger country, and now it's divided between Sudan and South Sudan. Mm. And South Sudan is mostly Christian now. Yes, I would say so. I don't know if there is um, like an official Mm -hmm. number of Christians in Uh, Sudan or official percentage. But uh, as far as I know, there is a, a, lar- a large amount of Christians there, Catholic yeah. mas- mainly. Uh, but also there are so many spiritual things, uh, tribal-based uh, beliefs yes. and stuff like that. Yeah. Yes. A, a book that I do want to recommend to <laughs> to the readers, and maybe I'll post that on Instagram too, is What is the What by Dave Eggers. I don't know if you've ever heard of it. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a Sudanese. Then, well, he, he, he was displaced and went to live in the US in the end. But it's his story, but it's very well written and you can really understand a bit more of what happened. Oh, okay, um, that's good. I, I mean, it was before it, they divided. Um, okay, okay, the, the country okay. was divided, but I'll search for it for sure. Yeah, it's quite interesting. But so, but what I'm wondering is the conflict that is unfortunately on going on now. Yes. Is it related to what happened before? Yes, I think it's a structural, historic, structural problem. And before we get into that, I would like mm-hmm. also to suggest a book uh, yeah. that would be like uh, good in describing the the dynamics the tribal dynamics between sudan and south sudan befo- mm-hmm. before war uh, that's called uh, cry of the owl okay. uh, of an author called francis Deng. He, he used to be uh, um, an ex-minister of the Sudanese government as well uh, before before the, the separation of two countries uh, fortunately uh, it's a it's a nice book. I would I would suggest maybe pe- people would be not everyone in Sudan <coughs> would be agreeing to the dynamics and and the how how the the it's a novel actually how the novel is uh, presenting yeah. the situation there. But it's a good uh, good book to have a to have a look at. Um, as, as far as the the dispute uh, the current dispute is concerned. Um, uh, of course, it's a very sensitive topic, especially these days, because yeah. they would have people have different opinions coming from different parts. Um, but I do uh, don't think uh, that it's a historic, historic structural problem. 
that uh, has uh, long roots uh, in in uh, in the in the tribal relationships mm-hmm. in the political uh, dynamics in the in as well as uh, also the the um, the uh, the climate change and okay uh, and the the historic wealth of the country the distrib- yeah. distribution of the wealth in the country as well so before uh, let me get uh, start be by uh, saying that the post independence from the mm-hmm. U- from from the british empire at that time mm-hmm. sudan was um in, in 1955 uh, the end of the of the year they decided in the parliament to to, to get independence from from the uk it was kind of a little bit peaceful compared to other countries in africa but uh, it was harder for the uh, what what they say what they call them uh, in sudan now the elites to form a new uh, strategy for the whole country to be a unifying strategy for the whole country uh, because the most of the people who were kind of enabled mm-hmm. in the country were the tribes w- that had relationships with the uh, conqueror at that time okay. so they used to have uh, historic wealth compiled yeah they used to have uh, more access to education more access to resources and things like that so um some people were not happy about the distribution of the wealth mm-hmm. some people were not happy about the concentration of the political capital in certain families and certain tribes and things like that uh and then of course the religion comes uh in the picture where mo- mm-hmm. the the most most of the northern part of the country is uh it's is uh, muslim um, majority in the mm-hmm. and the s- people from the south were not very happy uh, that yeah. uh, most of the concentration of wealth and political capital is in actually in Khartoum mm-hmm. right now, which is very far away and not representing the the southern communities, of course. Yeah. So that uh, escalated a little bit to rubble groups, mm-hmm. and then uh, in south from south from south between South Sudan and uh, and, and and the let's call it an official army from Khartoum and it uh, escalated towards uh, uh, violence at the beginning and then war mm-hmm. then a full scaled war larger and long the one of the longest wars in Africa mm-hmm. or maybe in the world as well uh, and then uh, of course in 2005 uh, they signed the peaceful peace agreement uh, and then one of the mandates of that peace agreement that they would have a referendum for South mm-hmm. Sudan to think if they want to go away from the country and they yeah. voted for for that with yes and then yeah. in 2011 that happened yeah but the problem did not stop there mm-hmm. because other regions in Sudan they felt also that they were excluded from the from the equation the the mm-hmm. north the, the western part as well and i would say that the elites again uh, that what uh, this is a term that, that they say the Sudanese elites uh, that, that okay. they don't actually agree with but mm-hmm. uh, that they f- they failed to find a solution for this complex country um of course that comes with financial instabilities fluctuation of the Sudanese pounds, large fluctuations in the Sudanese mm-hmm. pounds, oil booms in the 1999 and then uh, immediate separation between two Sudan and South Sudan stopped the oil resource immediately and then other resources came out in the picture like gold and 
uh, some countries that are interested in that resource. Uh, so it's it's just a big mess that is happening and yes. right now, till now, and that uh, in 2018 people were kind of fed up of mm -hmm. uh, of all of these problems and the the Islamists that were ruling the the country the way that they used to see that it was uh, mostly fit. Mm -hmm. So they went out in the street and they. Uh, did a revolution against the mm. ruling party at that time yeah. and they toppled the government um, and then after that I don't want to get into too much details mm -hmm. but uh, another uh, government was appointed mm -hmm. that was kind of a little bit representing the people who were uh, mm -hmm. going out in the streets and stuff like that but not maybe not fully representing the people maybe mm -hmm. it was more to be described as a white collar uh, yeah. government that's not representing mm -hmm. all, all the all the country, but so people, even the people who were kind of uh, from the professional associations mm -hmm. and the people who were uh, the students and uh, mm -hmm. the 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 educated uh, part of the of the of, of the citizens were not were not they didn't think that it was the best, uh, but they didn't want to topple it. But mm -hmm. they were forced with another coup uh, mm -hmm. in in uh, in 2021 that ended that, mm -hmm. ended the government, and uh, another military group came into the picture. Uh, very complicated formula in inside it, and then another paramilitia group that was formed by the former president to protect his own self. Yeah. Uh, so they started fighting. Yeah. Again, and, and that's and where we are. Of course, now now we're in this space. So many people are displaced, and so many people yeah. died again. Uh, I mean, politics is messy almost of course, everywhere. Of course, of course. Uh, my personal opinion is that in Africa, in particular, because um, Western institutions were imposed, uh, but you know, for us in Italy, in Europe, these institutions kind of came naturally you know we are the ones who created them but um african institutions like they were not like they were not meant to be like that you know they were kind of imposed through colonization so so it makes everything much more difficult yes exactly, that's my exactly, opinion but exactly um, um and it's it's very hard to figure out how to proceed with this exactly. solution yeah because uh the the lack of fund for the think tanks and the educational institutions, mm -hmm. the investment in the educational system and the people involved there uh, with different interests, uh, it's very hard to develop African solutions. Although yeah. I think that's the the key mm -hmm. um, way to proceed with it. Yeah. Um, but I don't know how how people would do that maybe uh, well I'm, I'm reading a lot in this mm -hmm. sense and i don't know i honestly don't know how, how things will go we tend to think um, arab equals muslim you know and equals actually middle eastern like we don't even mm -hmm. think about africa often I mean, here in Italy, North Africa, okay, mm. but but actually there's so many different intersections of these identities, mm. you know, like mm. um, there are, of course, Arab Christians, there are black Muslims, mm. there are yes. <laughs> yes. African Arabs, you know, like it's, yes, yes, yes. Uh, it's not so black and white. Yes, of course, of course, of yeah. course. It's, it's In Sudan's case, it's very speci special case, actually, mm -hmm. in the... Uh, in the in that part of the geographical context geopolitical yeah. context in yeah. general 
because it's in the, in the inter- intersection between Africa and the mm. Middle East and Arab countries yeah. and uh, it's it's so close but it's far away from the like the central yeah. uh, Middle Eastern things but it's, it's absolutely not black and white there are so yeah. many tribal based yes. Arab tribal groups in Sudan and there are so many African I don't know how to call it Africa because Africa is very big yeah. and different as well mm-hmm. but uh, I would say me more less um, Arabs uh, yeah. Arab tribal groups yeah. they have so many different different uh, local languages as well uh, yeah. I, again I don't know about the uh, about the numbers as well but there are more than 100 ethnic groups in Sudan there are more than 80 tribal tongues local mm, languages, languages and things like that so it's very hard to unify these people or like put some like a uh, uh, like a uh, stereotype or some Label, people that are yeah, being that course. yes so yeah I, uh, I understand like it makes things complicated but at the same time it makes it such a fascinating country exactly, yes. really uh, it deserves to be better known <laughs> I think I say this about almost every country but they really like we really I mean that's why I started the podcast I really exactly. think every country needs to we need to learn more about them yes, let's say. Exactly, exactly. so but anyway how which differences did you find between so let's start with between the Arab countries that you lived in like what mm-hmm. were the mo- I, I know you were a kid so of yes, course you yes, had different yes. views but what were the differences that strike strike stro- stroke you the yes. most <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> um, well uh, Yemen and Saudi Arabia were kind of Women. I would say to a certain extent yes to a certain extent they have uh, closer accents uh, maybe the same characteristics of the society that is very generous, very welcoming, very okay. uh, open. Like societies, like they 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 marry from different tribes. They they do. Oh. It's a, like it's, it's a uh, as far as I understand. Yeah, of course, course of I'm, uh, I was a kid <laughs> that back then. I yes. have limited knowledge on that society. Yeah. It's it's uh, generosity is definitely there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I would say that there is this um, also. Uh, I don't want to call it bitterness. It's it's kind of a little bit, oh, okay, we're Arabs. There are some people that are not Arabs. We're more Arabs, so we're proud. There yeah. are people who are less Arabs, so we're we're more proud <laughs> to respect to them. <laughs> or there are people who are not Arabs at all. Yeah. Well, that's uh, another thing. Yes. Which, it, to, uh, to, to some point, it's uh, useful at some mm-hmm. point that it see people who are g- proud of their culture and everything. Yeah. But it's sometimes it's also kind of prejudiced to the others. Yeah. It, it's good. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've been there. I I love uh, that. Sometimes I even get proud of being okay. I also depend uh, like uh, get a feel a part of this culture yeah. that I am proud of being uh, uh-huh. Arab Muslim. <coughs> Sorry, excuse me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm proud to be uh, having an open house for the guests to come and mm-hmm. things like that. But also at the same time, I don't feel fully Arab. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sudan, on the other hand, is different. Mm-hmm. It has uh, more uh, African influence, a uh, different way of looking at the religion as well. More the the cultural aspect also influences the the religion okay. and the way you look at the religion. Yeah. Of course, but if you speak different language, if you have different idioms, if you have mm-hmm. different uh, geographical landscape, it of course your way of mind, the way that you describe and uh, presumes is different than the person who is coming from different part of the world. So 
I do think and I do believe that I feel more attached and more I feel the more identity in Sudan and, mm-hmm. and also the western part of Sudan in specific way. Um, although there is also similarities between uh, Sudan and, and Saudi Arabia and Yemen as well. Generosity yeah. is always there, for example. Exactly, generosity is always uh-huh. there. People smiling is always there. Mm-hmm. I, th- I think there are characteristics of the Sudanese society as well that is perceived by 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 other Arabs as well that are they're kind and smiley and chill and things like that. And then, how was coming to Italy? Um, Yes, that's uh, <laughs> that's another chapter of my life that yeah. was completely different than anything that I've lived uh, and imagine. and among before. Uh, coming to a new reali- reality, coming to a new um, culture. Mm-hmm. Uh, I used to think that uh, maybe this part of the world is also kind of similar in the way that we see movies and. Uh, the things that we are transmitted to us by social media and things mm-hmm. like that. Then, for example, Italy would be kind of closer to, I don't know, Switzerland, Germany, and yeah. France, and things yeah. like that. So they all must have uh. the same mentality and things <laughs> like that. And then you come here and you discover that it's completely different. different. Like, even in Italy itself, mm-hmm. uh, people in the West think different than the people in the East, and people in the North think different mm-hmm. than the people in the South, and things like that. So it, it was a, a very nice journey for me to to learn a lot about the culture, the food, um, and the food here is completely different, of course. Of course. Uh, I do think that the Italians are exaggerated humans. Their hu- humans, mm-hmm. their human aspects are always exaggerated. So okay. if someone is happy, he's super happy. And if he's <laughs> angry, he's super angry. <laughs> okay, <laughs> if he loves you, he loves you the most. <laughs> and if he hates you, wow, don't get there. <laughs> okay. That's very so I love that. I uh-huh. love the music as well. I love the music here. Italian it's, music. Uh, the Italian music. It's okay. always super nice. And, uh, um, and we went to Paris together yes, recently. We did. We How did, was yes. that for you? Not as uh, I used to hear from the stories, actually. Okay. Uh, the recent stories uh, say that Parisians are kind of... They don't interact with you in English. Mm-hmm. It's not... I don't know. Uh, they're not... It's not the dream that everyone think about. Mm. But I do... Yes, maybe that's also a reason. Yeah, uh, but I did find Paris very beautiful and lovely. Uh, even yeah. though that it was uh, during the strike. Yes. And there, there was, was so much trash everywhere, everywhere <laughs> so, unfortunately. <laughs> but uh, but it was it was a, a positive, nice, super nice experience for me. I would love to, to know France more. Mm-hmm. Not just Paris, but also other parts of France uh, that yeah. I'd love to visit as well. Yeah, I'm sure. My mom is a fan of, um, of France. Like she... Uh, she speaks a lot of languages. She used to be an interpreter, uh, and yeah, she loves France. So she loves Paris, and and I, I guess I, I I think you saw that I reevaluated Paris when I was there. I yeah. used to not like it that much, but when we were there, I, re- I saw the yes. beauty yes, 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 <laughs> of yes, the yes. place. First year here was the t- most difficult year in my life. Even though yeah, that yeah. I come from Darfur, that yeah. problematic region, <laughs> and I've been yes. whatever, uh-uh. it was hard. It mm. was hard because I couldn't unlock the how the system here works, how mm-hmm. the people think, and things like that. I couldn't unlock un- other stuff, finding a place to live in, for example, or finding, or uh, I don't know, um, 
focusing on the studies that would grant you the scholarship, okay. the, like getting yes. the credits to get the scholarship because you yeah. were thinking or you're encountering other problems in your life and things like yes. that. And the language, of course, is, was kind of a big barrier at the beginning. So, yes, finding a house. And I know that it's not just because I am coming mm -hmm. from that part of no, the world. No, it's yeah. for everyone. But yeah. I think that it was kind of a little bit harder yes. uh, in my case. Sure. Um, it was lovely actually talking to you about this uh, yeah. and I think that you're doing an amazing experience here with the podcast and the, the, the guests Thank that you. you've been here and I think this will flourish a lot it was very interesting having you here I think we were mentioning earlier that the interview with Feder ran very long but even with you it's been such a pleasure <laughs> you know thank you very much I saw you like... looking at the, <laughs> the no timing. but it didn't feel and like a long looked, time yes, it's it a beautiful was, uh, yes, yeah beautiful very interesting experience. thank you very much so thanks for coming here thank you thank you Katerina, <laughs> for having me Thank you guys for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I think it's clear. I find Sudan particularly fascinating. But stay tuned because on the 18th of March, we're going to the other side of the world. We're going to hear about Peru in South America. In the meantime, remember to subscribe and rate the podcast wherever you're listening to it. Whether it's Spotify, YouTube, Apple Podcasts or whichever platform you choose. And maybe suggest an episode to a friend. Remember also you can get in touch with me on Instagram, just type at Life Around the World Podcast, or you can send me an email at Life Around the World Podcast at gmail.com. So stay tuned. Bye bye. <laughs>